As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Welcome to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We are here today with a dear friend and senior executive consultant and executive coach at Leadership Acceleration, Brent Carter. Brent, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Mike. I'm really excited to be doing this with you. And congratulations again on the Talent Magnet Institute. Looks like you're getting some great traction with it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, Brent, I have had the distinct pleasure of knowing your organization for, I think, my entire career now. Okay. <laughs> uh, my dad has had a relationship with your founder for many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, multiple decades, and it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Every conversation we have, the intentionality that you bring out around leadership challenges, company challenges, leadership skill gaps are so informative and such a great resource that I am extremely excited to share this with our listeners today. Excellent. So let's jump into the conversation. Okay. Um, I know one of the areas that you have focused a lot of your career Mm -hmm. is leadership assimilation and leadership onboarding. Right. Can we talk about that? You know, what are some of the key elements that you feel our listeners need to be thinking about as they assimilate themselves into new organizations or they Mm -hmm. onboard new talent into their company? Yeah. Well, first, I think it might be helpful, Mike, to differentiate onboarding and what we call assimilation. Mm -hmm. Onboarding, a lot of companies have onboarding programs. Typically, that tends to focus on the logistics, on the basics, making sure they have a computer, an office, a phone, an access card that actually works Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to get into the building. And then typically, they'll set them up with what we call meet and greets. So they'll identify a number of people that a senior leader or executive needs to meet. The problem with that is they tend to deluge them with meetings in their first month there. And it's typically, from what we see, it's not planned out. So by the end of their first month, yeah, they're kind of on board. They've met a lot of people, but the direction, the overall direction, they're connecting with their team, they're getting on the same page with their leader And most importantly, we feel is the integration into the culture has not been focused on. And that's where we come into play. That's our focus. So we go into a deeper assimilation. Michael Watkins, your next move in your first 90 days author, calls it integration. And we generally agree with that approach. It is integrating that leader into the culture, into the position, into their team to make sure it's a good mix and a good foundation for them to get an effective start in their new position. That's excellent. We've been a part of client relationship where you have as well, and we've had mutual clients. And one of the things that I've noticed is and experienced is that it's not a one-off. You try to create, ingrain this into the culture of the customer so that they think differently to help leaders ultimately be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, they state there's all types of great statistics. And I know one of them is 40% of leaders fail in the first 18 months in their new role. And the intentionality of, as you're building a leadership team, the intentional focus, don't just focus on attraction, 
mm-hmm. and recruitment, yeah. the onboarding and assimilation, and ultimately their development plans and their retention strategies for that next leader is critically important. Absolutely. And you know that in your role and the work that you do. You can get them in, you can get them in the door, you can get them on board, check the box. But what really determines their success is what happens over the next six months. If a leader has joined your organization over the last, let's say, three to six months, Mm -hmm. and you haven't focused much on the check-ins that you should be doing, and you just assume they're hitting the ground running and they're Mm – you know, the plane's flying, so jump on and take <laughs> off. What are some checkpoints that that listener today could do to make sure and check in on how that new leader's doing in their organization? Sure. And I would add, Mike, not only hiring that leader from the outside, so an external hire, but also promotions from within the company. And that's where the biggest mistakes occur, we find. The assumptions are pretty widespread in terms of, well, they've been successful here, they ought to be successful there. But they don't take into account probably a new department or division, probably new responsibilities, maybe even higher level responsibilities, most likely a new team, and a new leader that they're reporting to. So that's where we find that they fall short. So things to look out for are just check-ins with that new leader. Are they clear on their expectations? Because you can have that job interview sequence and they feel that they're clear once they're on board and experience that position and their responsibilities, they may discover they're not exactly clear on that. Mm-hmm. And then again, making sure that there's good cultural assimilation, what they used to do in their old company may not work in that new company. That's wonderful. And even going so far that there's even a book designed around this topic, right. correct? The mm-hmm. Ascending Leader Conquer the Seven Enemies of Success, a Strategic Guide for the Newly Promoted, really focusing on the newly promoted. Mm -hmm. Anything you would add regarding that book or what kind of brought that about in your organization? Yeah, so I connected even before I joined LEI, Leadership Acceleration, our current company. I connected with Diane Egbers, the founder of LEI and the co-author of the book. Uh, She co-authored that with Karen Schenk. Because of what we experienced in my prior company, Fifth Third Bank, I was director of talent management. And one thing we saw, Mike, was we could identify people for next positions. We could identify the readiness. We had assignment management in place where we moved leaders in positions in the organization, but there was no guarantee of success. And the main thing that was missing there was an intentional focus on those things like culture, expectations, getting to know their team, connecting with stakeholders, building relationships there, et cetera. So we wanted to establish a program for that. And we partnered with LEI, Diane Egbers, and her team to be able to put that in place with Fifth Third. We had great success with it. In fact, in the time that I was there for the 300 plus leaders we put through, that program, we had a 99% retention rate, first year retention rate. Now, after a year, other things happen, but that was a big improvement over our prior retention rate there. Also, those leaders that we focused on with this program performed at a higher level. So they were either at a solid or high performance level after going through that program a year later. That's wonderful. A great experience. And I know we've provided that to many newly promoted leaders Mm -hmm. based on the work of 
Diane and Karen. And so thank you for that resource. And we'll make <laughs> sure. sure we include that in the show notes. Okay. I think it's a great, and I know you've continued to build on it. And I know that the conversations continue to expand, but it's a great resource to really help align, helping people understand that not just when you hire from the outside, mm-hmm. but when you promote from the inside, don't just assume that someone takes a step left and moves forward. You need to help them assimilate into that new opportunity. And just another emphasis on culture. My companies have a culture, whether it's specifically defined or not. The key is, do they understand what that culture is? And we find that a lot of senior leaders fail to understand or even recognize that there are multiple cultures within that organization. So the leader can move from one division to another or be promoted into another part of the organization. And just recognizing, just realizing that that place that they moved to probably has a different culture, even within the same company than they came from. So just recognizing that difference and how can I be successful in this new, different culture is important. I recently, to that point, I listened to a podcast with Adam Grant and Malcolm Gladwell. Mm -hmm. And the conversation and framing up that Malcolm Gladwell did was that look at some of the best athletes, quote unquote, at that time. And when they shift teams, very few are the LeBron James. Mm. Most of them, you would need to move their entire team (laughs) for them to have the same level of high-performance success. And more organizations should think about lifting teams Mm -hmm. versus just lifting a person for the exact statement you just made. Mm -hmm. That the culture they're in is what creates a lot of success for that individual. And as we're interviewing and we're talking about understanding you know, are they leaving a high-performance team and a high-performance organization and checking yourself at the door of, am I going to be able to provide all of that? Mm -hmm. Or am I bringing them in to be the one to lift things out of this? And if they're in a team atmosphere that is high-performance, the likelihood of their success in that next step goes down. Mm -hmm. And he, Malcolm Gladwell and Adam Grant discussed this, very few people are the LeBron James that can move from team to team and kind of put things on their shoulders. That's not the way we're designed. We're designed to operate with inside of a team and inside of a culture. Yeah. That's a great point. And that's what made the Golden State Warriors as successful as they were. That's right. LeBron carried the Cavs as far as he could, but then Golden State Warriors had such a deep team. Absolutely. And keeps getting deeper. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about – the company challenges that your organization is seeing and experiencing in today's world, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know that although Leadership Acceleration is corporately based here in Cincinnati, like Centennial and the Talent Magnet Institute, Mm -hmm. you all serve organizations all across the country, and we've had the opportunity to interact with some of your customers outside this region. Sure. But, you know, similar to us, you're seeing lots of different organizations and sizes and industries. But what are some of the similarities that companies face today and the challenges Mm -hmm. they face? Yeah, well, I'll give you just a very recent example. Diane and I were in Atlanta earlier this week working with an organization that is very successful and because of the way they're structured, has a number of silos. So that's one issue that we find in a number of companies. They hire good leaders, they develop good leaders to be very capable and unfortunately somewhat autonomous in how they run their part of the organization. 
So one struggle that we see across a lot of organizations is the executive group doesn't really operate as an executive team. They'll report in, they'll have regular meetings, they'll meet with the board, they'll provide updates, but truly a team focus where there's common support for each other, they have mutual accountability where they can reach across and say, hey, how's this going? Do you need any help with that? Looks like you're struggling here. What can I do? A lot of times that doesn't exist. So this company that that we were talking to earlier in the week and conducted an all-day session, you know, that's one of their issues. Very effective overall as a company, but they operate in silos. Are there other challenges? I know one of the things that we have had quite a bit of discussion around throughout many episodes at the Talent Magnet Institute is around diversity and inclusion and Mm -hmm. talent optimization and seeing not just the differences, but the similarities in people and bringing people together based on those similarities and strengths and valuing the differences. Do you see that showing up in a lot of your discussion? It's showing up a lot more these days, Mike. If you look at what's going on in the world, there's such an increased awareness about what we're not doing well. The bullying, the exclusion, the intolerances that is recognized more and more throughout not just the U.S., but the world. In fact, I was talking to the director of international admissions with one of our local universities, and he said it's impacted their admissions because international students are concerned about coming to the United States because they're not sure how they're going to be treated. So that pervades throughout corporate America. You know, there's a greater recognition of that. So we've seen more and more organizations either expand or start diversity and inclusion efforts. Now, there's some organizations like our local P&G who have done an excellent job at that over the years. But what we typically see, Mike, is the strongest focus is on awareness, diversity awareness. How are we different? You know, they'll form affinity groups called employee resource groups or business resource groups. And that's all important. So we can connect with people who are like us. It can, though, tend to create separation there. Because if you always connect with people who are like you, you don't learn much about people who are different than you. So we've started a new effort over the course of the last year that we call Culture of Inclusion. And he uses David Livermore's model on cultural intelligence, which starts with awareness, but goes way beyond that. It goes into knowledge. So really creating the desire and the curiosity to learn about people who are different than us. And then it goes into strategies. So based on what we understand about our differences, based on our increased knowledge about each other, what strategies do I personally and individually, and we as an organization need to put in place to not only create awareness and tolerance, but really appreciation for and embracing each other's differences. And then finally, so it goes awareness, knowledge, strategies, and then actions is the final thing. So we think those strategies and actions are critical to make any traction in the DNI space and to really create transformation. That's wonderful. I would encourage our listeners to go back and look at the interview that we led with Janet Reed from BRBS. Mm -hmm. Also, the quote that Shaquille Ahmad shared 
in her interview that business leaders have tremendous opportunity to make a difference by leveraging the talent of each and every individual within their organization and the community they're Mm. trying to serve. You know, so that comment of embracing difference is very important. Mm -hmm. But as Janet Reed so eloquently describes, so is embracing our similarities. And finding the similarities Mm -hmm. in each and every person and bringing out the best of all things and all people. And, you know, again, that's a lot of the innovation and disruption and things that take place in industries and how companies come out with new services and offerings that meet such a need in the market is usually not because we're trying to do the same thing that we've always done. Right. Exactly. It's because we're trying to reach a different audience and Mm -hmm. bring what to that audience that they ultimately desire. Right. So in terms of, I know we have a lot of readership around skills gaps and or what organizations are looking for in leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, I know out of our, you know, 24,000 plus blog followers, that's a very highly focused area of content yeah. um, that people really want to understand. Can you walk through some of the trends of leadership gaps, what you're hearing from organizations that you're serving, what you're hearing from leaders who are trying to attract and retain the top talent and grow their organizations? What are some of the leadership skills gaps? Well, first, I'll just to reference some research that McKinsey did. They found that 75% of executives identified leadership development as a top concern. And we find the same. It's a recognized need. Now, unfortunately, sometimes it comes across as I'm okay, but they need help. (laughs) So more and more executives we feel are, once we get into a conversation with them, start asking some questions, do an assessment, they're realizing that, hey, as experienced as I am, I can still get better. So sometimes that's around strategic thinking. And what we find, Mike, is that as leaders grow in their career, they advance in their career, There needs to be a change in mindset and a change in how they work. And we find that leaders that struggle with that tend to go to what they're comfortable with. So they run into some barriers, they run into some friction, they slow down a little bit, they run into some challenges, and they tend to revert to, hey, what worked for me in the past? So I think it's Marshall Goldsmith who says, what got you here won't get you there. (laughs) exact same is true for executives. So, so we help them understand at this position, these are things you can no longer do. You've got to work through other people in order to get it done. You can't do it yourself. And it's tough for a lot of leaders to be able to do that. I'm working with a president of a local firm here in town and fairly new in her position, but she's struggling with that. She was such a doer and very effective in her prior position. She's struggling at letting things go, really delegating and empowering others to do things and staying at the strategic level. So that's one thing I would say tends to be a common struggle. What about the overall aspect of executive presence? What Mm -hmm. does that look like today in your mind? Yeah, that looks different for different leaders in different organizations. You know, some organizations, executive presence isn't a necessity, especially for some of our, we do the Leadership Development Institute facilitation with the Gehring Center. 
There are a lot of those companies who are small to mid-sized family-owned and privately-owned businesses and doing very well, but a lot of their leaders kind of grew from the ground up and maybe part of families and executive presence may not be important to a lot of them. For large corporations, it is. So especially, you know, as you grow in the organization, as you look at your exposure out in the world, as you look at your your exposure to the board, your exposure to more and more people as a part of your organization, executive presence is more and more critical Mm -hmm. because it's a key part of credibility. Yeah. Yeah, it is an area that we see when you gain when you have confidence, you gain others' confidence. Absolutely. Right? And a big part of that executive presence is finding your confidence within yourself mm-hmm. and acknowledging who you are and what the good Lord put you on this earth to do. Yeah. And building vision and creating confidence in others. It's a key trait to engaging the best out of all people around you and attracting talent. You know, I know Mm -hmm. what we see when there's an organization that has a great leadership team and mid-level managers and great supervisors where they really work on that presence and people skills and communications. Mm -hmm. Talent that interviews with them tends to come back and be very positive with, I want to be on that team. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that comes with that confidence and that conviction sure. where talent turn, can look and say that, you know, I don't have that where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And people are feel weaker than versus the strong right. and to join a team. Can you share a little bit about a couple key areas of aspects of creating a quote unquote highly performing culture? Mm-hmm. Any key areas there that our listeners might find great value in? Yeah, high-performing culture, and you alluded to sports teams, (laughs) similar to a high-performing sports team. You know, you can't just rely on the leader. You can't just rely on individual players to that. It's got to be a group effort. And it's got to be a senior leader in place that has a desire to create that culture. So it's not just about high-performing culture. It's not just about cracking the whip and making sure that people are doing their job. It's really, we find cultures are most effective when there is servant leadership in place, where you're really empowering others, understanding their needs, developing others to do the work, and then having that senior leader guide the efforts. So we have helped teams put in place things like strategic planning, three to five year strategic plan to make sure they're all heading in the same direction and have a common purpose. We've helped them build their skills at a senior level. And also working with senior teams, really helping them function as an interdependent, cohesive team, which feeds to the overall culture. Mm -hmm. What you really want in a high-performing culture is discretionary effort. So when somebody comes to work and they love what they do, they have an opportunity to do what they do best almost every day, back to some of the Gallup questions. They work in an environment where they feel appreciated where they get to continue to grow, where they feel like they have future career opportunities, those people are going to thrive and you're going to get discretionary effort from them. And that's a component of that high-performing culture. Mm. Outstanding. What are the challenges that an existing leader who looks around and says, I don't have a high-performing culture, right? And I don't know how to create a high-performing culture. What are some of the steps that that individual can take to either influence up 
or mm. make decisions to bring that inside. You know, obviously they could go interview for a high-performing culture and attempt to find one, mm-hmm. but what can they do right where they are to increase their performance and increase their culture? Yeah. So we find that what helps is putting structures in place. So as we work with organizations and it appears that maybe they don't have a high-performing culture, what tends to happen is, I referred to it earlier, they operating in silos. So they're kind of doing their own thing. Well, that's your job. That's not my job. You're struggling with that. Hey, good luck. That's not on my performance review. So hope you do better at that. Mm-hmm. So part of it is really a feeling of team that collectively and synergistically, we want to create a high-performing culture. And then putting structures in place. We work a lot with teams, helping them understand what those annual goals are, defining those, making sure they're mapped to the strategic plan, and then aligning performance to that. Too many times we've seen organizations where they'll create a strategic plan. They might even have annual goals, but then it's a check the box exercise, and they don't revisit those goals periodically throughout the year. So we work with senior teams mostly to help them establish those goals, but then on a quarterly basis and then on a monthly basis, check in to see how you're doing on those goals. Mm -hmm. Part of that is from a growth standpoint. So some of those goals are going to be growth related. How can we get better? How can we serve more from our client base? And then part of those goals, the operational goals are going to be how can we be most effective and most efficient in the work that we do? So I love the point, Brent, of aligning to the strategic plan, Mm -hmm. aligning to, you know, the business strategy. We find so often that most outcomes of the business strategy is a commercial strategy, Mm -hmm. is a sales and marketing strategy to retain and gain new customers and new product innovation. Mm -hmm. People so quickly fail to remember that business is about people. Yeah. And people first. Right. So where is your talent strategy that aligns to your business strategy? And where's your, back to the point we made earlier in this conversation, where's your diversity and inclusion strategy Mm -hmm. that aligns to your business strategy? Right. And, you know, we share often, look at your financials. And if you don't have line items around talent, Mm -hmm. diversity, inclusion, employee, investment and resources and all of your resources are focused on commercial pipeline, customer pipeline, customer retention, you need to look at your budget Mm -hmm. and you need to figure out a place to have budget for talent strategy and investing in your people. Just like a personal budget. You know, if you look at what you spend, the most of what you spend is what's important to you Mm -hmm. and same in an organization. Absolutely. I attended a year or so ago, a uh, world business forum and the title was humanification Hmm. and the whole content was designed around that what makes the world possible is people right but how quickly we forget that because we put Mm. everything else first so certainly in the lines of work that we're in we're trying to rally that cry to people and the audiences that we speak to and the clients that we serve here's what people first looks like Mm -hmm. and don't reduce your people development budget When times get tough, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, don't forget about onboarding talent and assimilating 
newly promoted talent mm-hmm. um, is your company's growing because right. it's growing so fast, yeah. right? Yeah. And another aspect to create a high-performing culture is focusing on the right things. Right. And Mike, you reminded me of something that I see with a lot of leaders these days. You know, there tends to be a shift from old command and control to a more caring, more empathetic leader. And that's all good and fine, but, you know, sometimes a leader that I'm coaching will ask me, so how do I be empathetic but still drive results? And you do need to find a good balance there. You can still have empathy and accountability at the same time. So you establish the accountability through clarifying expectations, making sure that you and your folks are on the same page, and then following up on that progress to make sure that, What's supposed to happen is happening, and then you measure those results. There may be an occasion where something happens and somebody on your team is struggling with this. They're not getting the results that you want them to get. Well, you can still have a conversation with them, understand where they're struggling, provide extra help, give them support, provide a mentor. That's more from an empathetic and development standpoint. Maybe even adjust the results that you're looking for. But you still have to have that balance of both accountability and empathy to be an effective leader, Mm -hmm. in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And we'll make sure to highlight that because I think the empathy and accountability, you know, people talk about what kind of leader are you? Mm. Are you over on this extreme or this extreme? And you're saying you need to have balance Mm -hmm. and all of that approach to leadership because that's what running a company looks like. And ultimately, talent a lot of times people leave organizations because they just don't ever know where they stand and they never feel that their voice was heard. You're right. And helping people feel understood brings out their feeling of value mm-hmm. and feeling of importance. And that sometimes means the accountability and the crucial conversations right. and the importance of understanding that getting comfortable with the uncomfortable of just confronting is, you know, I would say it's biblical. <laughs> it it's is. something that we should all be doing right. yeah. uh, with the way that of, we lead people. Uh, truth and grace. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Brent, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for the relationship that you have with our organization. Yeah. I also thank Diane Egbers for her mentorship. And I experienced the Leadership Development Institute mm-hmm. that you all lead at the Garing Center for yeah. Family and Private Business. Mm-hmm. In fact, I believe we've had five employees okay. go through that Excellent. program yeah. over time. And it's been an outstanding resource of really helping me understand me better, that Mm -hmm. self-reflection, and therefore, how do I show up to be the best leader I can be? And I thank Diane for her mentorship there and the resources that Leadership Acceleration provides to organizations all across the country and leaders all across the world. Well, it's absolutely our heart, our passion, and compassion for leaders. I always say that My satisfaction is in your success. So if we can help leaders be more successful, more effective, stronger leaders, that's absolutely what we want to do. So I value our partnership. I value our friendship. And we will certainly stay connected to the Talent Magnet Institute. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. A toxic work culture can be costlier than you can imagine, but hard to identify. Go to talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash toxic culture to learn seven signs that there's something you need to fix in your workplace.
The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.